Chapter Twelve of A Vanished Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. A Vanished Hand by Sarah Dowdney. Chapter Twelve. His First Visit. The roses bloom while the lady waits. The lark sings high in the blue above. But who will open the golden gates and let her into the realms of love? Arnold Wayne's first call upon Elsie was always a very distinct memory to him afterwards. People were beginning to go out of town, and those who remained were haunted by the thought of breezy uplands or of a blue summer sea breaking lazily on the golden sands. As Arnold walked along All Saints Street, about five in the afternoon, the chime of a bell ringing for evensong reminded him of his old home at Rushbrook and the grey church close to his gates. So it came to pass that he went into Elsie's presence haunted by memories of his boyhood, and there was nothing in her presence to dispel such memories. Something about her seemed to blend with them and harmonise with early associations. She had been sitting by the open window with a book upon her lap, and she rose to meet him, still holding the volume in her hand. She was dressed in a pale grey gown, and wore a large bunch of heliotrope in the folds of a kerchief of soft muslin knotted at her breast. The quiet little room was flooded with sunshine. The bell kept up its chime. Some white pigeons went flying past the window. "'You have made a home here,' he said involuntarily. And then he thought of those wise words of Ruskin's. "'Wherever a true wife comes, this home is always round her. The stars only may be over her head. The glowworm in the night-cold grass may be the only fire at her foot. But home is yet wherever she is.' "'Yes,' she answered quietly. "'It is a safe nook where I can be at peace.' She has known storms, then, was Arnold's mental comment. He began to speak of Jamie, and a light came suddenly into her face. It was the greatest relief, she said, to know that the child was happy. "'And Miss Neal's manuscript, may I see it?' he asked. "'I have always wished that I had known her. When Waring wrote to tell me of his engagement, I was abroad. The letter followed me from place to place.' The manuscript was discovered by chance. I kept it where I first found it, said Elsie, going to the old table in the corner. She took the roll of paper out of the drawer and put it into his hand. There was perfect silence in the room while he turned over the pages. Elsie had gone back to her window seat and sat there motionless. If they were with us now, the world would be all the better for them he said, looking up at last. I would give a great deal to grasp Waring's hand again. And Meta, it was best for her to follow him. Yes, Elsie answered, it was best. I am glad, and yet I often wish she was here. You have loved these two without seeing them, he said, looking at her intently. It is easy, she returned, 
to know men and women by the footprints they have left and the harvest which they have sown there are those whom having not seen we love a shade came over his face if i were to die he said suddenly no one would ever love me for the sake of what i had left as to footprints they would soon be effaced and as to the harvest nothing would crop up but a few wild oats it's rather a depressing thought isn't it yes she answered looking at him in her turn he was conscious that her soft dark eyes were resting on him very thoughtfully and that they were full of gentleness he had been left an orphan at nineteen but he had never blamed anyone but himself for the fact that he had done nothing in his life and that he was going on doing nothing uncle harry danforth his mother's brother had looked after the rushbrook estate for years and had spared arnold all possible trouble he had given up all responsibilities just because he chose to give up and let himself drift but there are moments when a man wakes up to a sudden consciousness that he has trifled with himself and his past had he come here to meet the touch of the vanished hand there was a pause and again the soft white wings flew past the window then elsie spoke in a very quiet voice i suppose she said that there are a good many miles before you yet you might try a new path and begin sowing afresh it was a simple speech uttered in the simplest manner possible but it came to him like a new truth yet it was a very old thing that she had said a thing that others had spoken to him a hundred times at least and he had been as deaf as a stone most of the ideas that have really stirred our hearts owe their power to the voice that speaks them thirty-three is rather an advanced age for a man to begin sowing he answered but i might try if you think it worth while she smiled a sweet smile that crept up from her lips into her eyes and lingered there i think it's worth while she said very well i had better start at rushbrook in the literal sense my uncle will be delighted although the ground has been thoroughly looked after i believe my relations have done their utmost to make an agriculturist of me if i spend an autumn down there and take an interest in things it will be regarded as a hopeful sign then you have a home in the country said elsie with a little sigh the sigh was not lost on arnold yes i have a quaint old place in blankshire he replied it overlooks a valley of many streams in the midst of a quiet pastoral country can i persuade you to come and see it with the leonards miss kilner most people think it rather pleasant the leonards oh i fancy they are going to switzerland she said i am not sure about their plans and i have not made any arrangements yet i shall write to mr leonard to-night arnold remarked if i'm to begin to make myself useful i shall expect all my friends to come to my aid may i count upon your help miss kilner there was an undertone of earnestness in the light speech and a look of eagerness in his face 
"'I would help if I could,' she answered. "'As to the country, I see it always in my dreams. It is a lost paradise to me.' "'Then why did you leave it?' he asked suddenly. She coloured, and the dark lashes veiled the trouble in her eyes. His heart ached for her, yet, being human, all sorts of doubts and fears came crowding into his brain. Was there an old love affair and undying constancy? With that intense face of hers, she could hardly have escaped love's sorrows. And then, in an instant, came a flash of wonder at himself. Was he already so nearly in love that he dreaded a possible rival? "'Circumstances were too strong for me,' she replied. "'The rector and Mrs. Leonard knew that I had to go. "'I came to London because I have more friends here than anywhere else.' "'There was a tremor in her voice that touched him. "'He felt a sudden longing to be her champion "'and prove that circumstances were not too strong for him. "'A man never looks so well as when he is under the influence of a chivalrous feeling.' It can transfigure even a dull face, and Arnold's face was anything but dull. Poor Elsie happened to glance at him at that moment, and a soft glow flushed her cheeks. She tried hard not to think that she was losing her heart. It would be so dreadful, she thought, if I were to make a fool of myself at nine and twenty. Can't I venture to enjoy a little friendliness without getting hot cheeks like a schoolgirl? After he was gone, she sat dreaming till it grew dusk, and wondering what would become of her when Arnold Wayne had married Mrs. Verdon. The pigeons had gone to roost. The last blush of crimson had faded from the sky, and the first stars were twinkling faintly in the gloaming. Elsie thought of Meta, lifted out of all the doubts and troubles of this poor life, and envied her perfect peace. "'Ah!' she sighed. "'If only I could see her home for one moment, "'how bravely I could go on living here!' End of chapter 12